let's turn to Romans. We're going to read from Romans uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself, on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, today's fruit of the Spirit is patience. And I'll bet you know what I'm going to do first, because I've been doing this etymology exercise every week. What do these words really mean? I ask myself that question before I go any further. And man, you're going to love this one. I, this is rich. So in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that's translated to patience in English is really an idiom. It's, it's like a phrase. And you know what it means? Long of nose. That's what it means. In the Old Testament, the word that's translated to patience in English means long of nose. And there is a uh, counter word that means short of nose. And I have no idea what that means. I, Adrian and I were talking on Wednesday because she knew she was going to be away today. And so I was giving her a little bonus, you know, education on this message because she was planning for the kids and stuff. And I said, I said, I keep trying to find an analogy for how being long of nose or short of nose correlates with patience, and I just can't come up with anything. You know, do people with longer noses have more patience? I don't know, because part of them sticks out further. I, I just, I can't come up with a solution, so I've decided to let it go. Rest assured that the important thing to take away from that is, is that patience in the Old Testament refers to a human quality of, of being um, noble, you know, like, like being willing to, to wait out a bad situation and to mediate between people who are disputing with each other. A patient person is considered someone who, who manages and mediates well. Um, it isn't so much a person who's willing to wait for delayed gratification. It's really more of a skill that uh, wise people have, and it's a people skill. That's how it's viewed in the Old Testament. So like when you read in the Proverbs about people being patient, it's really talking about people exercising good judgment in their relationships with other people. But then the word patience in the Old Testament also refers to God's patience, and that does refer to God waiting longer than 
maybe you and I would. And what does God wait for in the Old Testament? What is it that God is always patient with? Or maybe I should rephrase that. Who is God more likely to be patient with? His people. You know, he's, he's disappointed in their behavior, but he thinks, well, maybe tomorrow it'll be better. Maybe tomorrow they'll come around. And so he waits. And so in the Old Testament, the best description of God's patience would be, and this is actually Peter's uh, definition of God's patience in the Old Testament, because Peter said, you know, in the old days, God kept the flood back a little bit longer. Keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. Maybe more will come around and they'll get to get on Noah's boat. You know, so God's patience, as is defined in the Old Testament, is about God waiting just a little bit longer. But there's a huge hint in that of what we mean in the New Testament version of patience. So in the New Testament, the uh, phrase that describes patience is, is Greek, and it's uh, macrothemio, macrothemio. And it refers to patience as a godlike quality. And so what Paul means when he tells you in Galatians 5 that a fruit of the Spirit is patience, he means godlike patience. And that makes all the difference when you think about it. In fact, if you'll remember what we talked about last week about how gentleness was to reflect your new pedigree. Because you were born again in the Holy Spirit, you got a new pedigree. You're no longer descended from all those other sort of human characteristics in, in the spiritual sense. Now you're descended from the house of God, the God the Father, King Jesus the Son. You are descended from that household now, and that means your pedigree has produced in you a whole different kind of breeding. Now you have this breeding that makes you a descendant of God, and that means the fruit of the Spirit are signs of your, your descendancy from God's household. And in that sense, patience is all about being patient like God is patient. So let's flesh that out for a couple of minutes. Yeah, Peter said that God was patient when Noah was about done with the ark, but he kept it open just a little bit longer. And there's a sense that if there was anybody left to be saved, he was hoping that they might come around before it was too late. And there's a real sense that when God closed the ark, it hurt him. It hurt him. Now, I talked with our young people last weekend in our uh, confirmation retreat about some really wild, great, cool, heavy stuff. Like, you know, the kind of stuff I love to talk about, but you can't do it on Sunday morning because it takes all day. But God is just as eager to see the fallen angels come back. God loves them too. They rebelled against God and they have chosen their lot. And it's not like God has washed his hands of them and he's angry with them. I mean, he is going to be angry one day. His wrath is going to come to pass. We read that in the passage today. There will be a day of God's wrath. But even that is not done in anger. God's wrath is not about anger. God's wrath is about 
it's about, uh, it's sort of a legal thing. It's like, you know, sooner or later, cause has to have an effect. Sooner or later, judgment has to happen. If only for the sake of the son who died for the, for the salvation of the ones who couldn't have saved themselves. I mean, what does Jesus need to do all that for if God's going to forgive everybody anyway? Right? So understanding that God will one day for the sake of his perfect and holy justice execute judgment and then execute his final plan for those he's judged guilty in heaven and on earth, in the angelic realm and in the human realm, there will be a day of judgment and those who have not repented will be, they'll suffer the consequences of that. And that's all over our Bible in, in uh, other places. So we'll talk about that another day if you like, but rest assured it's not a good outcome. And so, what you need to hear is that God's patience is a deep desire that that doesn't happen to any of the creatures that God lovingly made, least of all, or maybe most of all, I guess is a better way to put it, you. You know, like, like above all everything that God has created, there's nothing he's more concerned about saving than you but he's actually concerned about saving the angels who rebelled against him. And it's hard to imagine this, but when the devil and those who will follow him till the very end suffer their due punishment, God won't be angry with them. They might be angry with God, but he won't be angry with them. And why is this important? Because this is the heart of patience as it's being described as a spiritual gift or a spiritual fruit. If you have the patience of God, you're not angry with anybody. Gosh, we talked about this so much last year and, and uh, recently it came up in a private conversation with someone from another church that I had served. And, and, and I just said, you know, the, the people who are opposed to, to what we've done in the name of our faith in God and our commitment to Scripture, it, it, they want to say that it's because we're angry with somebody and that we hate somebody. And I just keep saying that's not it. That's not it. it might, I can't speak for everybody here, but that's not where my heart is on this. It's my love for God and my desire to see all people saved because it's so much of what God desires for people. Because he wants you all to be saved and the fact that you are misguided or confused or, or you believe in a lie, well, so did a third of the angels of heaven and he still wants to see them saved too. Okay? So it's hard to wrap your mind around the true gospel when you, when you realize that it's, it's love. It's the purest love that has ever existed and it's a love that translates into this patience, this deep desire to see the salvation of lost souls. So now we're getting close to what the main point today is. If you're going to embrace and, and, and represent the fruit of the Spirit called patience, then it rep it's seen as a, as a compassion for the lost. 
It's seen as a willingness to do at all costs, whatever it takes to save the lost and to pray that God would bring patient, long-suffering delay to his judgment. They had a word for that in the New Testament church that was a word called Maranatha. Hurry up, Lord, but not too fast because we might just be able to save one more. This was the patience of God's spirit expressed in the church, the body of Christ. It's the patience that we need to embrace as the body of Christ here. We're not here to judge or condemn anybody for behaviors that we're just as guilty of in some other way or form. That's what Paul was referring to in his letter in the Romans there, that, that you know, don't judge people because they're just as capable of pointing back at you and showing your hypocrisy. So just don't go there. Just patiently wait for them to see and hear the truth and then be set free from the law of the flesh that condemns them. As we strive to be disciples of Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, is we want to be like our master. And so we join together then as people who earnestly desire to be disciples of Jesus Christ. In other words, like him, to mirror him to the world so that we can seek disciples of Jesus Christ. And then whole communities change because all these disciples are these little echoes of Jesus are everywhere. In the same way, we are deeply committed to being vital to this community's well-being through our discipleship with the sense that a community can't thrive and prosper without an awakened and driven body of Christ in its midst. They don't necessarily have to join us, but they need us more than they think. And if we're really not sure about that, watch the news, read, study, do your homework, remember what you learned in high school, history class and social studies, and you begin to realize that there are dark places all over the world where Christians have little or no influence. And you can see how really awful even Jasper could be. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like it's a wonderful life. Remember when George got to see how the community would look without his presence? And it was nasty, right? Well, it turns out that's really true. The Bible's not lying about that. You make a huge difference and you make a bigger impact when you care deeply about the salvation of the lost. When every person you meet, you feel a certain compassion for them because you want them to know and love Jesus like you do so that they can live eternally like you will and so that they can live in the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit like you do and that they might, like you, become disciples who seek disciples and change the world. I'll leave you with this last word. This is what Jesus said. The most important thing any of us could do is. He summed up the law of Moses with this phrase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the spirit of God-like patience. Don't worry about long noses or short noses. Just try to be like God and care deeply about the lost. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word and for your teaching. Now burn it into our hearts so that we live differently because of you. And Lord, let us really exemplify the fruit of the Spirit and help us to keep the weeds in our garden under control, we pray. Amen. Amen.